our very first fifth Sunday family service. We'll have four of these a year, but we'll just leave the kids in here with us. Kiddos, where are you? Half of them are over here where I can't see them. This one's for you, okay? We're going to have fun. We're going to talk to you guys a little bit. Hopefully I'm not too long and boring. Um, if you ask your parents, I never am. I never am. It's usually awesome. Um, our scripture today, normally I would read it, but um, I'm not going to today because we're going to try and be brief because the food smells good. Um, we've got these two, two followers of Jesus walking down the road, and they're bummed. They're depressed. They're uh, kind of down. They're talking about what's going on. And Jesus suddenly shows up, but for some reason they didn't recognize him. And he's like, what's up? And they're like, where have you been? Like, uh, all Jerusalem's in an uproar. Like, everything's falling apart. Like, where's my kids? How many of you younger ones know that we just had, like, a big election? You may remember that? Have you ever Yeah. When I was a kid, I don't remember anybody ever getting elected. But that's the kind of thing. It'd be like, like November 12th and somebody going, what's wrong? And you're like, what are you talking about? The whole world is gouging each other's eyes out. How can you not know what's happening right now? That's what's going on. These people were like, how do you not know what's happening in Jerusalem? Like, Jesus came and he was awesome and we all thought he was going to help us kick the Romans' butts and then it didn't happen and he was crucified and that made us sad. And then some of the women went to the tomb and the women said they couldn't find him. The tomb was empty and they came back and told us and now we're nervous about that. And if you don't know, the reason they were nervous is because there was actually some fear that... Um, that the Romans or that the, the Jewish leaders were going to steal Jesus' body and claim that the followers did it so that they could reinforce the idea of an insurrection, a Roman insurrection, that this is a revolution. And if it's a revolution, then they can hunt down all the followers. So the followers were actually a little bit scared of Jesus' body disappearing at first. And so they're actually, they're actually like, the, the body's not there. We don't know why the body's not there. Like, we're, now we're afraid for our lives. Like, who knows what's going to happen? And this person they don't recognize goes, silly people. Like, how can you not know that this was the plan? How could you not know? And so he starts to talk to him about the Old Testament. He starts to point out all the places where the Messiah was and that the Messiah was going to look like this. Places like Isaiah 53 where it said that he's going to be beaten and his stripes are going to be how we're healed. Stuff that the Jews had completely overlooked. He starts showing them all these things. And they get to their destination and Jesus was like, it was nice talking to you. I don't know how long they walked, but apparently he had time to go through a lot of the Old Testament. He was like, it was really nice talking to you guys. starts to walk off. And they beg him to stay. Please stay with us. It's late. I don't know how far you've got to go, but we've got food. Come eat and hang out. And so they go inside. Jesus says, okay. And he comes inside with them and they, they sit down and they sit at the table and who can remember the last time the disciples talked to Jesus? Like, really spent real time with him. Right, the Last Supper, right. And so they sit down at the table, and Jesus picks up this bread, and he thanks God, and he blesses the bread, and he, and he breaks it. And something in that, in that action sparks something. And it says the disciples' eyes were opened, and they saw him. And suddenly he was gone. And they looked at each other and said, didn't our hearts like burn in our chest when he was talking to us on the way? Didn't like when he was talking about the Bible, didn't something happen to us? And these two stories capture two of the major distinctive yet complementary themes 
of the Christian life. The table and the word. The word and the table. And this is actually part of our vision statement. If you haven't seen it, you can go online and look at it. But we are people of both word and table. We're going to talk about that tonight. But first I want to start with a video. And we're going to pray this works. When are you going to start doing something with that big brain of yours? What? Go to college like you? So people can tell me stuff I already know? Unbelievable. Oh, what would mom and dad say? I don't know. They're, they're gone. They died when I was three, remember? Hey. I'll take you. Really? I can't stop you from going, but I'm not going to let you go on your own. Sweet. What are we doing at your nerd school? Not fight that way. Gotta grab something. Gonna take long. Relax, you big baby. We'll be in and out. Anyway, you've never seen my laugh. Oh, great! I get to see your nerd laugh. Welcome to the Nerd Lab. <laughs> yeah. I've never seen electromagnetic suspension on a bike before. Zero resistance, faster bike. But not fast enough. Yes. Whoa, 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 whoa. Do not move. Behind the line, please. Hey, Wasabi. This is my brother, Hero. Hello, Hero. Prepare to be amazed. Catch. Wow. Laser-induced plasma? Oh, yeah. With a little magnetic confinement for, uh, ultra-precision. Wow. How do you find anything in this mess? Uh, I have a system. There's a place for everything, everything in its place. Keep this! You can't do that! This is anarchy! The fighting has moved! Excuse me! Coming through! Oh, my gosh! You must be hero! I've heard so much about you! Perfect timing. Perfect timing. That's a whole lot of tungsten carbide. 400 pounds of it. Come here, come here, come here. You're going to love it. A gas. A perchloric acid. A smidge of cobalt. A hint of hydrogen peroxide. Honey lemon? Go-go? Wasabi? I spilled wasabi on my shirt one time, people! One time! Oh, hey, Professor. Actually, I was just finishing up. You must be hero. Botfighter, right? When my daughter was younger, that's all she wanted to do. May I? Uh, sure. Hmm. Magnetic bearing servos. Pretty sick, huh? Wanna see how I put them together? Hey, genius! He invented them! You're her Robert Callahan. Like as in the Callahan cat most blind then. 
Callahan's laws of robotics? That's right. Ever think about applying here? Your age wouldn't be an issue. Well, I don't know. He's pretty serious about his career in bot fighting. Well, kind of serious. I can see why. With your bot, winning must come easy. Uh, yeah, I guess. Well, if you like things easy, then my program isn't for you. We push the boundaries of robotics here. My students go on to shape the future. Nice to meet you, Hero. Good luck with the bot fights. You gotta hurry if you want to catch that bot fight. I have to go here. If I don't go to this nerd school, I'm gonna lose my mind. How do I get... Okay. Who's seen Big Hero 6? That's an awesome movie. Except why do Disney movies have to make you cry now? I don't even understand why they all have to, like, rip your guts out before you even get going. Great movie. And here we get to see Hero have a heart change. It starts out with him, you know, kind of like, oh, you're going to go see your nerd lab, you know. And then at the end, in classic teenage style, if I don't go here, I'm going to die. You know. And, uh, and the reason for Hero's change is actually going to be the subject of our message tonight. But we actually have one more thing. If this works, I hope this. One cup of butter. One cup of oil, one cup granulated sugar, one cup powdered sugar, two eggs, two teaspoons of vanilla, four cups plus one tablespoon. I absolutely doubt that tablespoon is important, but they swear it is. One teaspoon salt, one teaspoon baking soda. Whose mouth just watered? No. Oh, come on. Maybe if, maybe if, you, if you know baking, this got you a little bit. But more than likely, this doesn't get you going. What if I said the word cookie? Little ones, cookie? Oh. Right? You don't see chocolate? You know what? Actually, when I gave my wife a recipe, when I asked my wife for a recipe for a cookie, she, uh, she um, gave me a recipe for chocolate chip cookies, and this was for chocolate chip. And I was like, everybody's going to know exactly what that is. I can't do a chocolate chip cookie. And actually, originally, I had cookies for everyone at this point. Oh, here they come. The cookies are coming. And this is actually going to... This is going to play in. Kiddos, grab yourself a cookie. Grown-ups, you can have a cookie, too. As I believe you're going to find out, there is a difference. There is a difference between knowing what makes up a cookie and eating a cookie. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a declaration right now. Judy Sauce, right down here, raise your hand, Judy. Judy is a prophet, absolutely. Like, we do not conspire when we put our messages together, but one of the, mess, one of the verses I'm going to use tonight is Psalm 34, where taste and see that the Lord is good. I swear on my life, Judy had no idea when she read that verse a few minutes ago. <clears throat> um, and that's like the fourth time she's done that. She just pulls out a verse that turns out to be a verse I'm going to use anyway. But... There's a difference between knowing a cookie, between knowing the recipe, understanding what makes it up. If you watch enough Alton Brown, you can even know why you need a certain amount of fat and why you need a certain amount of liquid and why you need a certain amount of whatever and what the eggs do. And none of that compares to eating a cookie. In our passage today, I'm going to read this last little part. It says, as they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. 
And he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment he disappeared. And they said to each other, did our hearts not burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scripture to us? Ancient historical accounts of the early church um, said that the church had two services. They had the morning service, which was generally held at the synagogue. And it was outside of the synagogue and it was what they called the declaration of the word, or they, a lot of times it just became the gospel or the gospel service. And it was when they, when they would go and they would declare the gospel to anybody that showed up. And they would engage in debates and they would talk and they would uh, rationalize together at the, the gospel service. And then that night, they had what came to be called the love feast or the, the, um, the love service, the agape service. And this was um, usually in a large house and they met together and they would uh, sing songs and they would, um, it says they would prophesy and they would, uh, they would give declarations and sing hymns and spiritual songs. And, and this whole service was centered around a meal. They would have a meal together and they would gather around. And they considered this meal to be the Lord's table, to be the Lord's supper. They didn't do communion like we do. They actually ate a meal. And if you read Corinthians, one of the corrections Paul had to make was that they were getting out of balance as to how they, people were actually starting to come for the food and not the fellowship. And so people would come early so they could get more food and people who came late weren't getting anything and it was becoming a problem. And so Paul had to make some corrections. There was actually people who would come and were drinking so much wine at the Lord's table they were getting drunk. And so there was a, a lot of confusion. And so, um, and the problem wasn't that they were getting drunk because they were drinking all the wine and the other people didn't get any. No. <laughs> um, so they were... Uh, so they were, um, the, the, the meal was the center focus of this thing. And as the church began to get persecuted, the, the gospel meeting was what they, the outdoor, you know, public meeting was what had to be hidden. And so the, the secret meeting, the love feast, is what came to be the common church, um, the common church service. Which is why in the Catholic Church, if you grew up Catholic or if you know anything about the Catholic Church, the Mass, the, the Eucharist, the Communion, is a central part of the whole church. If you don't make it to church and the priest comes to your house because you're sick or something, he doesn't like sing the songs to you and read the sermons and uh, and like preach his little homily to you. He just he just gives you the Lord's table. He prays, he blesses, and he gives you um, Communion because to them that's church. That's what you go to church for. You go to church to experience God at the table and that grew out of this love feast, that grew out of this, um, as, they, as they grew to where they couldn't keep having a full meal, they started kind of trimming it down to something smaller and more symbolic, and, and this, the, what we know of as a church service kind of was created out of this, centered around the table. And these two services that they had, the gospel declaration and the, the love feast, wrap up two sides of the Christian life. That, uh, that I think are very important that we're going to talk about tonight. Something that believers have, uh, have wrestled with for a long time, and that's the, the part of our expression that is logos, it's word, it's, it's rational, it's, it's mind, it's head, it's understanding. And then there's the part that's sacrament, which is experience. It's, it's something inner and deep happening that has an outward expression but something you can't define. And we've always wrestled with those things. God, you know, we, we like to talk about the, uh, the actually the opening of the Nicene Prayer, which is kind of the formation of, of one of our, or the Nicene Creed, kind of the formation of, of our statement of faith here. 
um, it's this ancient creed, and it was the first church fathers trying to come up with a, a kind of a minimum list. This is kind of the people believed all kinds of things, and some believed things, some others didn't, but they were trying to find a kind of a bare minimum of this is what we believe. And we've kind of used the Nicene Creed through history to make sure that as we get into the scripture and we dig out what Jesus might mean to us, we never stray too far from that Nicene Creed, making sure that we're still kind of coming up with the same answers that we have through the years. And the Nicene Creed starts that we, uh, we believe in God, Father, Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, in things both visible and invisible. That the world is made up of the visible and the invisible. Visible being things of pew. It's made of wood. We can describe it. We can point it out. We can draw one. We can explain it. And God is, God is the author of that. He's part of that. He's also part of the invisible, like broken heart. How do you explain to somebody what a broken heart is? Well, there's one that's laying on the floor. You know, no. And even when you try to explain it, like when you've, when you've had your heart broken, you're trying to explain to somebody what, that, what you're feeling. You ever notice how empty the words are? Or love? You ever, like, you ever try to explain to somebody what love is? So, and God is, is also the God of those, the invisible things. Courage and hope and strength and dignity, justice, things that are harder to wrap our minds around. And some of the things we can debate about, we can get logos about, we can get mental about, and some of the things we can't because they're things of experience. And the problem with Christianity is sometimes we get, we swing so hard into the logos, you know, like arguments of, of evolution. This is some of my favorite debates on the planet. And the problem is when the church gets too caught up over here, we also understand that that we're wrestling with science and kind of in their realm a little bit. And they can say nothing about hope and dignity and human, uh, you know, the, the, the essence of human life. And, and so if we, if we get out of both realms, we, we, we lose track of our sinner. Our decision here to do communion every week at Ova Table is wrapped around kind of the same idea that we love to talk about the scripture, we love to get into the scripture, but we also are about the sacrament, about the table. That communion can open our eyes. It can change us on a deeper level than just understanding can. And that's because of this little saying, a man with an experience is never at the mercy of a person with an argument. I heard about this argument one time about a guy whose dog ate lettuce. And he tells his neighbor, my dog loves lettuce. And I'll just pull off a piece of lettuce and throw it, and the dog just loves it. His neighbor goes, dogs don't eat lettuce. And he's like, well, I mean, I understand most dogs don't. Mine does. His neighbor goes, dogs don't eat lettuce. And he's like, well, okay, but my dog eats lettuce. And supposedly his neighbor went and got a book and, like, brought it back over and explains the dietary needs of a dog and what dogs eat. And he's like, dogs don't eat lettuce. Like, in this argument, who wins? Because <laughs> the experience. If you've seen the dog eat lettuce, are you ever going to believe an argument, no matter how beautifully articulated, that dogs don't eat lettuce? Because you've seen the lettuce. You've seen the dog eat lettuce. What's that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Young people, kiddos, what made Hero change his mind in our clip? Right, he experienced it. 
Like in his head, it's like, oh, we're going to a nerd lab. And then he saw it. He lived it. He felt it. He experienced it. And he comes out of this experience. I'm, if I don't go here, I'm absolutely going to die. What satisfies more? The knowledge of a cookie or the experience of a cookie? <laughs> you have to answer that one. We live in a day when church is unnecessary. Really. I mean, my sermons are absolutely brilliant. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but you can get online on your phone and listen to some of the best preachers on the planet. And a couple of them are as good as me. You can, you can get on your phone and find world-class worship music. And we do. And, and, and we enjoy that. I have a website that I listened to for like three years that has, um, they've compiled the audio messages from seminaries all over the country. Um, and you can just get on and go to seminary. Like in their 45-minute lectures, there'll be about 24 in a class, and they've got 100 classes. You can just get on and take a seminary class and listen to it while you're working. Right on your phone. We've got Facebook and Instagram. We've got relationship everywhere. All of us can get online and confirm that we've got 517 friends. There's a million places you can give. There's charities and organizations. There's churches worldwide. There's all kinds of stuff. We absolutely do not need to do this every week. You can accomplish everything we do here on your phone. And if you've ever tried that for long, you know that it doesn't work. If you've ever sat down and be like, you know what, I'm just, I'm, I'm busy on Sundays. I'm just going to start downloading messages. I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to start listening to worship on the car on the way in. And I got this. Like, I got this. Anybody ever tried that? I absolutely have. I'm confessing right now. Anybody ever done it? I want to see a hand. Don't leave me up here by myself. There they are. Okay. Yeah. Does it work? No, it doesn't work. And I don't, like, it doesn't make any sense. Mentally, if you hunt hard, you can find great stuff. Maybe not as good as me, but good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat that one to death. Don't think I'm not. This is sacrament. Sacrament is why. Sacrament is something you can't explain. Like we have the recognized sacrament, baptism and communion. But church is sacrament. The Bible makes statements like we are the body of Christ. And, and church is us, and that's an, that's an inner reality that we are connected. We are the body of Christ. We are the very living hands and feet and eyeballs and kidneys and spleens of Christ. And when we get together in church, we're, it's an outward representation of an inner reality. That's the definition of sacrament. An outward representation of an inner reality. And so we're a sacramental community. We're a community of people that do these outward things to express what's happening underneath. And those things are important. And somehow, those things open our eyes. Somehow those things reveal Jesus to us in a way that just the Logos doesn't. In our, in our, in our passage, the Word was not ineffective. The Word worked on them. It got in them. They said, didn't our hearts burn within us as He explained the Scripture to us? The Word did a work on them. It changed them. But it didn't open their eyes. That's why people can study the Bible their whole life. There's professors that study the Bible their whole life. 
And I think it works on them. I think it beats on them. I think it chips on them. But they never experience the sacrament. They don't have that eye-opening thing that happens. As we come to our response time tonight, and actually the band doesn't have to come up quite yet because I'm going to stretch this out for a minute. <laughs> actually, I'll stay here. As we come to our response time, we're going to gather and around the table. We're going to sing and we're going to give. But what I want you to think about in our time tonight is Psalms 34.8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Don't just try to understand Him. Don't settle for a recipe of God. Taste God right here with these people. You see, if you've never tried that, if you've never tried church, if you've never sat with a group of people over time and said, these are my people. These, when they call, I come running. When I have hurts, these are the people I share it with. When I have joys, these are the people I share it with. Um, when these people make me angry, I come back and we work on it. And, uh, and when they do things that upset me, I give them the benefit of the doubt. And we continue to walk together. Like, these are my people. If you've never tried that, if you've never given yourself like that, then you don't get to judge church. If all you've ever tried is to understand it and rationalize it, and you've never given yourself to it, if, all you, if you're trying to judge the quality of a cookie from its recipe, you know nothing about cookies. Church is the same way. Tonight's passage, and the band can come up, shows us the purpose and the power of the table, of the sacrament. The word burns in our hearts, but the bread and the cup open our eyes. Christianity can be complicated. It really can. There's, uh, there's a lot to understand. There's a lot to wrestle over. We as theologians have to struggle with the hermeneutical paradox of contextualizing a text from a completely different cultural time and place. That's complicated. That is, that's tough stuff. It's academic. We have hundreds of denominations and schisms. Politics make it all cloudy. Even just deciding how to run and govern a small church, there's a million things to think about. And yet every single week, we come together and someone offers you a plate. And they say, remember the body and blood of Christ. And you say, excuse me, you say, I will remember. It's like every week we come down and we go, ah, oh, I remember what it's all about. It's about a broken body. It's about poured out blood. Like, I got wrapped up in all the complexities this week. I got, I got buried in trying to figure out if it was substantiation predestination or transubstantiation predestination. I, I let my head get tangled up. And that's not what it's about. I will remember. 
I will remember. It's about love. It's about a love so crazy that it, that it sacrifices. And that's what the sacrament does. It opens our eyes again to what it's all about. And if you've never given yourself to that, if you never looked another human in the eyes and said, I will remember. Like, when you and I disagree, and we fall on different political lines, or when we don't agree on a doctrine or a scripture, we can come to the table. And we can look at a broken body and pour out blood, and we can say, I remember. It's not about all that. Not that all that's not important. Not that we don't do all that. Not that we don't love all that. But every once in a while, we have to take a piece of bread and dunk it in a cup and say, I will remember. I will remember what it's about.